Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. Glad you guys are joining us this month. And as always, on the mics with me, we got lead pastor Rick McKee. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Good to be doing this with you again. And then joining us, uh, kind of a recurring guest every couple episodes, we got Jared Williams. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Just got a fresh haircut on lunch, so I'm feeling confident, slightly itchy, but overall, good. Happy hey. to be here. No one can see it, but it looks great, man. It looks great. So. <laughs> well, guys, we are going to get into a topic that I think is going to be really good. I mean, this comes up uh, in different contexts a lot at our church, but especially membership classes as we dive into what we believe as a church. And Jared, you lead those. And so good to have you on the mic. So we're going to kind of dive into what uh, what are essential versus non-essentials when it comes to our beliefs. So what comes to mind for me first on that topic as I was thinking about this podcast is that irenic statement. Uh, it's called an irenic statement because it's attributed to Irenaeus. And um, many, many people have probably heard this already. It, the idea is this, that in essential beliefs, we have to have unity. So in essentials, unity, we all have to be on the same page. We have to agree. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty in all things charity. Okay, so in non-essentials, there's freedom and, and we can believe differently and think differently. And then in all things, charity. Now, charity in that sense is not used in like giving people money, but in love, in grace, and kindness, right? So it's a great statement that in essentials, we have to have unity. In non-essentials, we give each other liberty. We give ourselves liberty in, in all things, there's got to be charity. There's got to be grace and love. It's a great statement. We try to live it out in our ministry. And uh, Pastor Jared, I think you deal with this as often as any of us because you lead our membership class. And side note there, by the way, I think you do a great job. I hear great feedback from it. You walk that class often through our doctrinal statement. It's primarily what you do, right? And so in doing that, I think a lot of questions come up on various Area. So you're doing great ministry among us there. I'm grateful. Can you give us an example or two uh, of like, what are some of those things that pop up? Yeah. So like you guys said, membership is one where it always pings for me, comes up and, you know, we even address out of the gate and essentials, non-essentials. And, you know, I, I do that, uh, essentially walk through the ironic statement, which has nothing to do with ironic, which no. is what I first heard. It's ironic. ironic. There's nothing ironic about it. But, you know, so we walk through that and I kind of almost play it up. Like, so you hopefully ask, okay, well, so what are the essentials? What are the non-essentials? And even when we I even think about our church, you know, it splits up of like doctrine and distinctives. You know, a lot of ways that's almost an easy breakdown. I mean, the core doctrine of what we believe, I mean, those are going to, you know, fall more into the essentials of, you know, deity of Christ, salvation by faith alone. Like, those are essentials. Like, we, we, there's no disagreeing on that. But then there's things that make us distinct that maybe aren't true of every other church, but that are distinct to what we believe, you know. And so whether it be, you know, mode of baptism or complementarianism, something, you know, that we hold to here, which plays into women in ministry, like, Okay, you know, what do we do with some of these that would be in non-essential categories? I think of another one popped in my head of, you know, age of the earth. Like that's a big kind of 
hot button thing, you know, of, you know, how, what's the age of the earth, you know, young earth, old earth. And so, so that's what I think of, you know, I think of essentials, non-essentials, some of that breakdown. But one of the things, even as I say it, I think people listen like, wait a minute. And maybe you're, you know, you're listening, you're passionate about the age of the earth. You're passionate about women ministry. We didn't say important and not important, you know? So Mm, all these things are, they're important. So it's not just like, oh, non-essentials means not important. (laughs) Extremely important. I care about it. We're going to have a position, but non-essential, you know, in some aspects, you know? (laughs) Of course, that begs the question though, non-essential for what? Uh, And and there's layers to this. So non-essentials so to for me to view somebody as a brother or sister in christ uh, that's probably a uh, more inclusive there's uh, i would want to have fewer essentials Uh, i would want to make it more broadly acceptable right and then uh, but to become a member of our church we, we i mean you sign a covenant and you agree to this that and the other thing now it's not so much on beliefs but there are some things we we require there to become a deacon, uh, we, we tighten the circle a little bit. To become an elder, uh, we tighten the circle even more. So, for example, on mode of baptism, our church believes uh, biblically that uh, it is by, uh, as believers, by immersion. Now, uh, if somebody doesn't believe in believer's baptism, they believe in infant baptism, you know, or, or they believe in sprinkling, uh, they can be a member. And we have members like that. Oh, I thought, I thought it was going to be we should burn them. But, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, no burning at the stake for that one. Again, all things charity, all things charity. But, uh, but you can be a member. Uh, it used to be when we were part of another church, their, their constitutional statement said you couldn't be a deacon. We actually broadened that. And so we have had a deacon who was baptized as an infant. So um, we, we keep it a little bit broad there, though it starts tightening a little bit. But then as an elder, uh, elders have to believe in um, a believer's baptism by immersion. And have to have experience, and otherwise you can't be an elder. And so we tighten it. Now, same thing, staff. We're, we're careful who we hire, but I'll tell you what: for pastoral staff, we got to be on the same page, hmm. you know. And so there's, uh, but but now I'll, I'll share the platform with other pastors from other churches doing various good works for the Lord, who are maybe different than me on various issues, maybe like women in the ministry. But the three of us who are the three pastors at our church, we're in lockstep on most of these things. So uh, I think I think of them as layers. Pastor Jared, you've referred to them as concentric circles, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just how I picture it in my mind. You know, so the tighter the circle, so for us, you know, that's going to be a pastor. That's the tightest circle we have. And so, man, in some ways I say tighter, but in some ways the list just kind of grows, right? There's just yeah. going to be more essentials that you hold to. And so the widest circle... And even, you know, for our listeners to realize, what are we talking about? Even clarifying what circle. I mean, so the widest circle, right, is for salvation for a believer. There's going to be less essentials for that. I mean, and we can maybe bat that around. But for me, it's, it's kind of one, you know, the gospel, sure. you know, faith in Christ. And so, yeah, you can build out deity of Christ, some other things. But by and large, man, we're saying essentials to be a believer. We're talking about the gospel. Now, it can grow as you get tighter into the circle but yeah kind of seeing that depending on how how many essentials is what filter 
Well, and I've heard jokes along this line that are fuzzy and hazy to me right now because they're in distant memory, but uh, the idea of two guys meeting that are strangers and they find out uh, that they're both Christians and the oh, brother, and then uh, they find out that they're in the same denomination. Oh, brother, and they're in the same kind of uh, wing of that denomination and then the same synod, and then and then they get to, uh, yeah, but you're of the uh, north of this and I'm of the south, and they call each other heretics. Mm-hmm. You know, So they're that close, and then at the very end, there's this one minor, minor difference, and you're dead to me. You're just dead to me. And we have throughout the centuries of Christianity, as theology has clarified over time, if you think about the East-West schism and stuff like that, where uh, there were relatively um, seemingly minor differences, but boy, they blew up, and now you're just dead to me. And we want to avoid that. We want to be uh, as accepting of a brother or sister in Christ, if they are indeed in Christ, even if he or she disagrees with me about, for example, women in ministry or homosexuality. Or, and, and you can go on and on and fill in the blanks that, that I still want to say, okay, but you, as Pastor Jared, you said, you agree with the gospel, then we're, we're in the family together. Yeah, I find that you know, of those concentric circles, one of those, how the circles change a little bit is just for age for me, I've realized some of that list of essentials has gone down. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in college, well, the essentials were clearly Reformed theology and all these things. Sure. Yeah, I just found myself so much more passionate, and I, I would have put almost anything that I believed in essentials, you know. And so some of that of just maturity, some of it's understanding the different circles, but just like, okay, you know, I, I don't want to be in that. And some it's seen the biblical value of unity. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of that, there's just so much disagreement, you know. It's being raised Catholic, right? That's one of the massive point your fingers of Protestants. Oh, there's so many differences. Well, time out. Are we talking essential differences? Well, no. And I want to allow for unity, and I want to be unified in the church, and that's where this discussion becomes helpful. And, and Pastor Jared, I love the distinction you made right early on. We're not talking importance. Because having listened to you just say that, I know you're incredibly theologically studied. I know you're theologically minded. I know you have your opinions. It's not that you don't have your opinions on those or that you value them. So they're very, very important areas. But they've shifted from maybe essential to non-essential yeah. uh, so that we are more uh, inclusive of those who are actually brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny, even I feel like it begs mentioning in here, it's worth it to say, and even this, we're talking about issues, let alone just practices in ministry and stylistic differences. Absolutely. And gosh, how many times do we divide over that because of a preaching style or a, you know, I've gotten so much less critical and it's easy to slam other guys. I just don't know that that's good for the kingdom or church. And so, yeah, I, I just struggle through that. And we're, we're not talking about styles. And I want to have great charity and, you know, gracious towards each other. We're talking styles, let alone actual differences in belief. Yeah, because one of those style things that comes up is altar calls. We've gotten this time to time. Like Some people, uh, that's essential. Absolutely. <laughs> For them, they've grown up in a faith practice that if you do not end your worship service with an altar call, you are not being faithful to the gospel. You're not evangelistic. You don't love Jesus. And it, it gets that extreme. And it's, yeah. it's like, wow. Uh, and one of the things I've noticed over time is I, I can, if I want to, I can make every non-essential essential. 
I just need enough links. You know, to say, well, if you don't believe A, then you don't believe B, which means you don't believe C, which means you don't believe D, which means you're not a Christian. Mm. You, you know, and just, well, the more links I need is kind of a tip off that I'm maybe making a non-essential into an essential because it ought to be like the gospel. No links, mm. just that, you know, just that. Well, it's funny, even as you said, that one of the examples that I said in the beginning is kind of old earth, young earth. And I've heard that said yep. from people that you've probably, some of our listeners have heard on the radio and probably even enjoy. But if you don't believe in a little seven days in a young earth, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. What? You know, like that is not the litmus test of, but to your point, links. Well, then if you don't believe this and you don't believe the Bible, then if you don't believe the Bible, you can't believe the God. Ooh, time out, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and... And yet we have records of, in the New Testament, we have the, gospel, the, the book of Acts. In the record of the preaching of the gospel initially as it went forth, we have some of uh, Paul's messages. And I, I'm trying to rack my brain for which one went over uh, six, uh, seven-day creation, you know, six days and then seventh-day rest, like literal six. I don't think any of them had that. It's just not in there. But it's funny, as you say, the altar call one. I realize not even just theological, but how many of those things creep in that are just unquestioned that if you were to change it or take it away, I mean, even flow and worship style, I'd think that's not right or that's not okay. You know, like this is how a sermon should be. But it, that's right. I don't know. This discussion would be helpful because it's all right. The ones that we know, but even how many things can creep into that's essential for church. Well, says who, you know, it's not like that all over the world, but we cling so tightly. When if I hear you guys right, too, as I hear you discuss it, I think the heart of, you know, you guys represent our church, obviously, is I think the heart of our church and even us as pastors as you guys chat is, is we're not, we're not looking for, we're not going into it looking for reasons to, to be divisive with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to find the ways we disagree. Like, we're going into it with the heart of, hey, what do we agree on? Let's talk about those and celebrate those. And, you know, obviously there are things we would do disagree on, but I think, our heart is always we're not we're not going into it with the mindset of trying to draw dividing lines. Now those lines come sometimes as we do things, but yeah, I just love your hearts of um, we're not trying to major on the minors. Like mm-hmm. you know, let's let's focus on what's important um, and start there. And I think that leads a little bit into the next question. I would love for you guys to bat around is as people are listening to you to kind of throw some maybe different beliefs out there, doctrines like they may be thinking, okay how do I know which category they go into? So how do they, how do they test one? So whatever belief you want to pick, how in the world do they look at that one and filter it through, you know, is it essential or is it non-essential? Cause we want to, we want our listeners to be able to do that on their own. We don't want them to always have to right. go to someone else. Like we want them to get that maturity you guys talked about to decide on their own. So one of the things that comes to my mind there is what Paul put forward in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3. Great statement. He said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So first importance, meaning it's essential. This is top shelf stuff. This isn't, uh, we're not getting in the weeds right now. This is what I received. I'm going to give to everyone I pass it on to. This is first importance. And so here's what he said. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 
Okay, that, and I think that's one of the earliest Christian creeds, that that was it. Now, uh, are there, uh, I would say, do you, do you need to understand that Jesus is God? Well, um, I don't think you should deny it, but a lot of people, I think, come to faith in Christ not understanding the full deity of Christ. Uh, do you need to understand all the fine details of the Trinity? Well, I don't think you should be denying the existence of the Trinity, but uh, I'm pretty sure most people come to Christ without fully understanding the Trinity. I think most people who say have come to Christ, yeah. exactly, don't anybody exactly, fully understand yeah. exactly? And, and and so uh, there are some very essential truths that we have in our doctrinal statement. But as far as what it means to come to faith in Christ, uh, I think the circle should be very small to what Jesus did on the cross for us. That he. Died, he paid for my sins, and he rose. So I want to keep it very simple to the gospel, and I think that's what Paul is doing right there in 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, absolutely, and for what it's worth, I mean, I I remember being discipled by a missionary, and he beat that in our heads. That is, you know, as I see it, the most succinct outlining of the gospel in the New Testament. I mean, everywhere else it talks about the gospel. I mean, there's so I mean, death and resurrection comes up all the time, but I mean, yeah. If you're asking me, if you want to know, man, how do you define the gospel? That is the most clearly, succinctly laid out version. You can't reduce it past that. Now we can add elements. Again, the essentials can build depending on what circle, but that, that's the core of it right there. Absolutely. And so the, the thing on the table there is, is it necessary for salvation? Hmm. And that's a good test. Yep. Is it necessary for salvation? Uh, now, uh, there can be uh, other tests. Uh, sometimes I think, would I die for it? Would I die for it? And, and it's interesting how quickly the circle, like the list of essentials narrows. Right? You know, like you don't want a really long list right there. So I probably would not die for my uh, view of biblical manhood and womanhood. I have very developed views on that. Uh, and, uh, but, but would I die for it? No, no. Would I die for... Uh, my view of the Word of God. I, I probably would on that one. The gospel for sure. But, but would I die for it uh, becomes a helpful hmm. discernment. Sure. Do you have any others that come to mind, Jared? Yeah, one of the things I always like to go to, and one, I just like the word, but creedal orthodoxy. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed that word, you know. So orthodoxy. Because feel smart saying it. It feels smart. <laughs> it feels very smart. They, uh, so orthodoxy, right belief. And so part of that, that's what we're talking about, essentials. What are the right doctrine? What are the right beliefs? But that, you know, qualifier of creedal. So you think of, you know, the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, you know, the Nicene Creed that we have, you know, been a foundation of the church throughout our history. Part of the thing I like about history is it roots us out of just the blindness of today. I had a professor at Kent, and he, you know, was teaching religion. He used to make the class recite it, you know, all the time. Every religion is a new religion every day. And that was his big mantra, you know, and kind of pluralistic <laughs> culture we're in. And I always just like, not true, not true. Like, it isn't, you know. I mean, and that's one of the things, like, you could go back to history. Now, that's where, as we talk, practices have changed. It is looked. But what it is meant to be a part of the church has not changed. I mean, we it's been hammered out you know, throughout history. This is the core of what we believe. And so I, I just think of, you know, 
There's a lot of different things, but those are the things that the church has hammered out throughout history. Nice coffee move. As TJ is in the room producing for us, grateful for his skills, he usually edits out all our coughs. In that case, he might leave that one in. I need As more of these like little filters. Yeah, you need lots of filters, brother. <laughs> Stack those. Do you want to like name drop that professor real quick, just in case he's listening? Oh, uh, <laughs> you don't remember his name, do you? It's like O'Neill or something. Okay. It was O if, something. If Isn't you're listening, we're oh Scott, Odell Scott. <laughs> I think that was oh, it. Oh, right. yeah. You, but you already got your grade, so you're good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, uh, creeds, absolutely. Because I think that's, that's just a progression. First Corinthians 15, I think, is one of the earliest creeds. And then there were others. Um, what, what's notable to me in that is what the creeds don't cover. You know? So, for example, there's not a lot of statement on your view of eschatology. And that's one thing that we took out when we uh, went and became an, our own independent church. We were a campus of another church. They had in their statement a premillennial, which is a specific view of kind of how things are going to go down at the end of time when Jesus comes back. Uh, they had premillennialism in, in their statement. Uh, interestingly, they had pastors on staff who did not agree with that. And it was really odd to me that you would have pastors disagreeing with things that are in your doctrine. Statement. I think that's that's problematic. And so when we shifted, we took that out. So all that to say that there are things that are important, kind of big realms of theology, even that you won't find in creedal orthodoxy. And and if it's not there, then I want to be very open-handed on that as a church. Even that just shows that you know, for a church like that, you're playing your hand that that's mislabeled, you know, right? Because if you're allowing a pastor to believe different than that, then by definition, you're saying it's non-essential. You know, it's a great point. I mean, in some ways, I would want to, you know, I mean, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but how do you decide the Bible? Right, sure. <laughs> but to your point, now you could abuse that because now you know you could make any links and oh, this is essential. But in some ways, you know, what does the Bible uphold is essential. And you know, you're kind of mentioning the minor and the majors, but I've always heard that you know the the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of those filters, you know, is always you know don't build your theology off of one verse. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that the Bible brings up once. I gotta believe this isn't an essential that God made sure we didn't miss this, but he kind of just references it quietly one time, you know. So what is it in scripture, you know, what is it in the epistles that they are hammering home, you know, and what is, you know, treated as a as a minor thing? Hmm. You know, Austin, one area that came to mind when we were talking about concentric circles, uh, we talked about is the person a believer, member deacon, elder, pastor, whatever. Um, I know, it just occurred to me as we're talking right now that we didn't talk about marriage. And it's probably something to be considered in the discussion that uh, we have a lot of younger folks in our church who are considering dating, engagement, marriage. And if you're considering marrying somebody, you probably want to have oh, okay. more essentials in common. Yeah, so uh, we have brothers and sisters that are charismatic in their faith. They speak in tongues and things like that. And no, we are not, uh, but we would say they are our brothers and sisters. Should they agree on the gospel? We love them. We, uh, but what if you marry somebody who disagrees with you on that? Well, it's really convenient to say, oh, we'll work it out until kids come along. And now you have one spouse who says the kids have to speak in tongues to show evidence of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, they're not full or real believers. 
And then you have another spouse that's saying that's junk. Uh, and oh my goodness, now the gloves come off. And so uh, there, I would just give a note of caution that when you're considering entering covenant marriage and linking your wagons together for life, uh, you might want to be a little bit tighter on, uh, with that potential spouse mm-hmm. on essentials. Yeah, and I think that's where the verse comes up of uh, unequally yoked. That's that idea of yoke. So the tighter that yoke is, the more you're going in the same direction. So the tighter you're yoked together, so, you know, pick your circle, man, the more you better be unified. If I'm just going to one event with you here, well, that's a very long yoke. We're not even heading the same direction most of the time. Okay, that provides freedom. comes up for me as I, you know, kind of coach up people going to mission fields, you Mm -hmm. know, of... Okay, you go into a different culture, you're going to you're going to see more discrepancies, differences. What do you do? Can you partner with them? And that's usually what I walk them through. Well, okay, what level of partnership are we talking about? Are we talking about an event? Well, that's a pretty wide circle, but are we talking about will you worship there? You know, almost like to the marriage thing. Okay, that's tightening. It's different than going on staff, but okay, this is, you know, I'm partnering with them and for what it's worth, you know. The essentials, they better be a believer as we're talking about marriage. So sure. just throw that out there. That is one. So we're talking about the finer points of theology. You better have a theology into salvation. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where that verse comes. You're yoked together, so you better be agreeing. And Jared, I like that you took that toward uh, missions. And I love that you coach our missionaries up on that. Because you think about how much we've screwed that up in the past that we have uh, confounded American colonialism with missions. And so so what we exported is not Christianity, we exported American Christianity, or at some point British Christianity was being exported and uh, forced on people. And so uh, we were not going with the essentials of the faith, we were going with the essentials of the faith plus our cultural interpretation that we viewed as essential and therefore we forced it on them. And that is now looked back on with great shame, hmm. but nonetheless, we, we got to be careful of that. Oh, hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, what would you guys think? I mean, as we talk about the test and people kind of wrestling through that, where do they fall? Um, I think when people do that, they may land on different, you know, answers. Some people may put one in essential, one in non-essential. And because of that, over time, we could, do a whole other podcast on, I mean, just the, the harm that's done in the church over the mm-hmm. time, just people dividing and, and bitterness and divisiveness, but that's not our heart. Like we want to help people try to unite. So what, what do you do when you are at, you know, at odds with someone you disagree on an issue being essential versus not essential? How do, how do we respond to that person? I think one of the errors that I have made over the years, and I've seen others make as well, is feeling threatened. So I I feel like in that moment that I have to fight for my position and my perspective. Because if I don't win, uh, there's something personal to me that's at stake. And as I've matured through the years, one of the things I've realized is that Jesus is not threatened in that moment. When I disagree with a brother and sister over some details, Jesus is not fretting. Jesus is not like he's not going to lose his kingdom over this. He's not feeling threatened at all. And so if I end up being right, it's okay. And if I end up being wrong, same thing. It's okay. It's okay either way. And so it allows me to relax a little bit and say, all right, let's talk about this as brothers and sisters. But my life is not on the line with this. Pastor Jared, what else comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things 
I mean, you know, we talk about being gracious and charity, and so it's a shame. I mean, so much in the church, we're just known for being judgmental and throwing stones. Hopefully one of the takeaways is just stop doing that. Stop slamming other people. Okay, if they are preaching anti the gospel, then I'm going to boldly say, again, I'm still not even going to be, you know, a jerk about it, but I'm going to clearly disagree with that, you know, graciously. But in some of that, I mean, it has to be humility. It's funny as we talk about it, it just seems like we it just take it for granted that as we disagree, I'm right and you're wrong. Right. Like that's just the assumption that we're making. What if some like even as we say it, like we talk about I'm saying me talk about it as if what if somebody else is wrong? What do I do? There's the option. I could be wrong, you know, and so some of it is just that humility, you know, outside of the gospel, outside of those essentials, like gosh, you know, I, I'm trapped in my own culture and worldview. And so I want to be humble in a lot of ways and just humble towards each other. Yeah. And I, I also want to, I want to think in terms of two battles. I, I hate saying battles because it makes it so, I don't know. Um, confrontational. Yeah, it is. It's confrontational. It's adversarial in the moment. But, but if I disagree with you, Austin, over some issue of the faith, I've got to remember there are two battles at stake. One is the issue of truth over which we're disagreeing. The other is our relationship. And if I can keep in mind there is not just one issue between us, there's two. And I want to win on both. And, and oftentimes what I, I, in my immaturity, what I would do in the past is I would not care about a relationship. I would sacrifice. I don't care about that. I want to win. And so I would very much sacrifice you and your heart and our relationship in order to win the argument. And if I can get off that onto, okay, there's a truth question, but there's also a relationship question and both are valuable. And so then now comes up issues like love and grace and mercy. Am I going to value people? Am I going to value relationships? Am I going to be a bridge builder? Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be sons of God. Am I going to be a peacemaker? Like all this comes flooding in and it's just as important. And so, so just to put a point on that, do I fight for the person and their heart and their value in our relationship? Do I fight for that just as hard as I fight for my opinion on this matter? Yeah, and I think of biblical values, and I know it's got out of whack for me, of the biblical value of unity that compared to the biblical value of me being right have gotten way out of balance, you know? And I just, I value being right more <laughs> I like than I... If I can interrupt. So the biblical value of me being right, can you give me a verse reference I, for that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not many, so <laughs> I need a longer podcast to find that verse. I mean, right. I just, and that, you know, and that's, you know, obviously the point I'm making, it's, I have such a high value of that. That's not a biblical value, me winning an argument, but there's an extremely high value of being unified. You know, where Paul says that, wouldn't you rather be wronged? And all of us, if it was rhetorical, would be, no, you know, I'd rather be right, you know. And he's, you know, wants us to be able to put those aside for the sake of unity. And man, if if we had more of that, I think the church would just have a greater witness. Well, in a couple of things you brought up there, Jared, humility, unity. And so, uh, uh, Pastor Austin, when you ask the question, what do you do when when people disagree with you? uh, It seems like we're not giving very practical steps forward. Do this, then do this, then do this. But more, I I went towards mindset. Jared, you're going towards heart. I think there's a huge character issue on the table here that 
if I'm in a posture, uh, I'm walking with Jesus. He's the king. I'm not. He sits on the throne. I don't. Uh, He's always right. I'm not. I love people. I love his kingdom. I love the breadth of his kingdom. So I get that it's different than me at times. And I fit into a small, like like our church, there's really cool stuff going on in our church. But it is so helpful to remember that we are like just a speck in the kingdom of God. And if we were to disappear, like Jesus would be just fine in his kingdom. So we're, it's way bigger. than. So if I've got all these kind of character things settled in my heart, and then I encounter somebody with a difference of minor theological opinion, uh, I think we're going to be okay. If those things aren't going well in my heart, I'm not walking with Jesus, I'm not humble, and I'm not soft, and, like, then, and tender to people is what I mean there, then uh, when I encounter those differences, it's going to go a different way. And so I just don't know there's as much a uh, three-step process as that much as a heart disposition. For sure, and part of what came to mind as you're talking is there's so many situations like we, so we couldn't go through. So man, to have a good filter and grid and understand level of partnership, but it's, you know, okay. So now if you're on vacation and you're, you know, it's this kind of church, do you attend that church on vacation? Why would there's infinite amount of different practicals that we could take out of it, understanding the filter, having the right heart. And so even as you're talking to just one of those other filters, you know, would I die for it? But okay. When I die and I'm standing before Jesus, hmm. does this issue really matter? Sure. You know, like, yeah. you know, that moment I meet Jesus, like, wait, oh, I'm in heaven. Reformed is right, isn't it? It's reformed. You know, the, how many of these things I wouldn't even care about? Like, but really, like alcohol, how should we view it? How much, you know? Man, when we're standing before Jesus, what's really going to matter? <laughs> so I, what came to me, to mind for me as you said that is there's the litmus test of would I die for it? And then I think what you're putting forward is the second test of, would Jesus be glad that we died for it? Like, <laughs> like I imagine him going, wait, you died for what? Like, what were you thinking, man? Yeah. Crazy. Whenever I die, will it matter in heaven? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you, can, you know, you've been uh, slipping in, like, view of alcohol. Is it okay for a Christian to drink? And holy cow, the battles that have been fought on that one. Uh, you mentioned reform. So, you know, that's the idea. Uh, does God choose us or do we choose God? Ultimately, which one is, is yeah. the active, uh, the, the primary? And uh, there, there's huge debate among Christianity in that one. And it goes on and on. And uh, can we be loving? So now I got to admit, there is a tension with this because... When I get asked to share platforms with people and I think, okay, am I misrepresenting Jesus by being on a platform with them? And so there is, there's value to thinking this through, but it takes a lot of discernment. It's not always crystal clear. So there's discernment. Whenever there's discernment, there's some gray. When there's gray, we got to give grace to each other and default to character and heart. Yeah. And I think too, if you guys don't mind kind of slipping, I would slip in with what you guys have said, just that like have some open dialogue with people. Like, you know, like one of my friends that I've talked to about things, we disagree on some different areas of belief. Great guy. And I, and I've just asked him questions before. Cause I'm just curious, like maybe I don't know everything about that aspect of theology and I want to learn. So come on, man, what areas? I'm not getting into that right now. That's another podcast. Two towards the end of the episode. (laughs) Part two uh, coming later. But I think there is, and you kind of hint at it. Like, don't don't get online and start debating this stuff and just bash each other. Like, just get to know people that might hold different beliefs than you, and just be a learner. And you might teach them something; they may teach you something. And and you 
at least will grow in maturity and just a better way to handle it. I've really settled into that. I, I used to get so panicked as a young believer when I don't know what to do, but that's one of my favorite promises in James to cling to now. He who lacks wisdom, ask God and he will mm. give it and give it, you know, abundantly. So in those situations, man, here's the filter to lean on, have the right character and pray about it and trust. Okay, can I go to this, you know, okay, whether it be a platform and then the old, can I go to this wedding? Am I condoning this or that? Ah, you know, like, yeah, let's re-pray and trust God will give you the wisdom. Austin, one of the things that you kicked in to the conversation, I don't know if you meant to, but you said uh, online. And uh, here is a practical <laughs> answer to your question. Uh, what do you do when you disagree with people? You guys are laughing because you know where I'm going. We could do like a six-part series oh, on this one. <laughs> don't do it online. Yeah. Don't do it by text. Don't do it by email. Uh, don't do it in the comments section. Don't call people out in posts. Like social media is not given over towards nuance. And anytime we're talking about the difference between essentials and non-essentials, we're talking nuanced stuff like like Reformed or uh, Arminian. Like that's been debated by like thick, thick books and many of them for centuries. And you're not going to get that in a tweet, you know. And so it's social media is really good at making disagreements. It's not good at all at understanding each other and dialogue and resolving and love and, and, and in all things charity. Yeah, that doesn't exist on Facebook. You know, so uh, I would say, man, if you're going, if you hit this disagreement, uh, it's going to be good to get coffee, sit down and dialogue. And there's going to be body language and love and much more than in any text kind of format. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, it hasn't been settled over 2,000 years by the greatest minds, and you're going to solve it in the comments section. In one Facebook post. <laughs> right, with, with you know keyboard courage or keyboard yeah. warrior, <laughs> keyboard thug, take your turn, but it's going to be gross. It's going to be gross. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a phenomenal conversation just about beliefs and essential versus non-essential. And is there any final thoughts you guys want to share before we wrap it up? No, I'm good, brother. I, I'm really grateful for you, Pastor Jared, for uh, all you do teaching our membership class. As I said at the beginning, I know a lot of this stuff can come up in there. Uh, Pastor Austin, I know all three of us deal with these things at times. I'm really grateful we have a congregation that I think gets it. Uh, that is rallying around the bloody cross and the empty tomb, loves Jesus, loves his kingdom, uh, has minor disagreements uh, theologically, politically, whatever it is, but we, uh, we keep those in check and we love Jesus together. I love that about our congregation. And thanks to you two pastors for how you lead in that through our congregation. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us this month on this episode. Hopefully this gave you a little more understanding of this topic and also more importantly, how to you know, handle these things in a way that honors our Lord. So thanks guys for joining the conversation and look forward to next month. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com slash grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.